podcast. I really hope you like it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, and as always, I really hope you like it. Thank you so much for joining me week in and week out. And if you're a first-timer, well, hey, you've come to the right show. You've come to the right episode because we've got a great conversation waiting for you. Did you know that we're knocking on the door of one million downloads in less than a year of existence for the Matthew West Podcast? I just want to say thank you to you because not only are you listening, but that tells me that you're leaving a review And if you haven't, go do it. And it also tells me that you're telling other people. Maybe you're posting on Instagram about an episode that you especially loved. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spreading the word. It's awesome to be able to connect with you guys beyond the music and do this podcast week after week. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Today's show is going to be so powerful. All right, let's get into today's show. My guest today, uh, he is a world-class worship leader, singer, songwriter from Charlotte, North Carolina, who was for years with Elevation Church, and now he's a capital uh, music label group recording artist. I said that in a clunky way, but you know the deal. He's he's signed to Capitol. He's written some of your favorite worship songs. His wife has a passion for foster care and has a powerful testimony of what's led her to that. And together, they're on fire. Together, God's doing some really powerful things, not just through the music, but through their family. And that's why I was especially excited to ask them to join me on the show. So without further ado, let's go to the story house with Mac and Meredith Brock. Hey, it's great to have you guys on the show. Thanks for joining me today. Mm -hmm. It's good to connect. You are Charlotte-based, is that right? Yes. Born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina? Born, not raised. Uh, Grew up in South Carolina, but we've been back in Charlotte for like the last almost 14, 15 years. Yeah, 14, 15 years. Meredith, were you raised in South Carolina too, or what's your story? I'm a Pacific Northwest girl. I was born in Idaho and then lived in Alaska. And somehow got looped into the South. So <laughs> here okay, I am. Okay, that's was that a little bit of culture shock from Alaska to Carolina? hundred uh, percent. I, 100%. I hated understatement. It. <laughs> yeah. I went to college in South Carolina and hated it so much. I tried as fast as I could to transfer all of my credits up back up to Alaska to finish <laughs> school, and applied for graduation and found out none of them would transfer. What I had to come back to South Carolina, and that's when I met this guy, Mr. Oh, okay. Swept me off. See, I feet. thought there was going to be a story of like you know mac hunting bear in the woods of alaska mm. no the opposite <laughs> comes across a damsel very much in the opposite type of story yes you're yeah. not much of a bear hunter no i i told her i was like if this if this is gonna work i can't do cold weather so <laughs> okay. you're gonna have to come down here and we'll make it work it's true that's awesome he's a man's man ladies and gentlemen yeah. right yeah <laughs> Southern boy. Well, and so, and none of your credits would transfer to an Alaskan university. Is the is the exchange rate? What's the deal with that? <laughs> it's what happens when you. I, I went to a little Bible college in like a Christian college called Columbia International University. Okay. In South Carolina, and so when I tried to transfer them to University of Alaska Fairbanks, they were like, mm, "Not going to happen." It's not, only good those here. Good here. Thank you. <laughs> don't ask that. what we teach you. We don't want anybody else to know what the <laughs> curriculum is. <laughs> And you both went to the same school in South Carolina then? No, we, we just met in, in South Carolina. That's where I grew up. And so I was living there and okay. uh, we met at a church event. That seems fitting for uh, <laughs> yes. you know, a girl going to Bible college that you right. meet at a church event and not at a bar. So good for you right. guys. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly. right. <laughs> and it's fitting that maybe we're, we're starting off talking about you guys meeting each other because... Um, part of my routine of preparing for these interviews is to stalk you guys on, on social media. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I saw that you, uh, recently celebrated, was it your 15th anniversary? Yeah. Yes. 15 years. Yep. Congratulations. That's it's wild. amazing. It's a, that's a long time. That's a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I, we just celebrated our 18th anniversary. Wow. wow. Congratulations. So, the month of May though is always a an expensive month for me because it's my wife's birthday, our anniversary, and Mother's Day all in one week. So same, yeah. Meredith's birthday is next month, and it's just all packed in. Save together. up, gentlemen. Save yeah. up. 
The harder part is coming up with new ideas of what to get. <laughs> well, okay. Well, Meredith, do you do you do what my wife does? Where, like, my wife, she leaves nothing to chance. I'm getting. Mm. Amazon links and <laughs> and Nordstrom links or whatever. Like she doesn't mess around. She's like, here's what I want. Yeah. I appreciate that about her, but I am really, really easy to please. Is that <laughs> Matt right? Got me, so for our 15th anniversary, he, what well, I thought he was just getting me a plant and I was really excited about <laughs> plant. it. Like it's a big plant, like a really nice big house plant. Nice. I go and all I, out for 15 years. And I was like years. super happy about it. Like I was like, ah, oh, I love it so much. But little did I know he had another trick up his sleeve. That okay. he gave me later, later the next day. <laughs> yeah. He, he gave you a whole, what you bought a, a forest of land. <laughs> right, so she right. feel like she's in Alaska. <laughs> no, he bought me some really nice boots that I would never buy for myself. <laughs> See, now that's. That's the key. What you would never buy for yourself. Right. right. I would have never done it because I was like, this is, this is indulging. I mean, come (laughs) on. But if he buys it for me, I'm like, oh, I love him. (laughs) That is amazing. And you're less likely to return them because it was a gift. It's a sign of our age though, that one, that you would be excited about receiving a plant (laughs) and that two, I would actually know how expensive those indoor plants are. I know it's a sign of maturity and age. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm not proud of it. Really nice planter. Even at that. Oh yeah. So the whole shebang, I was like, this is, this is a great 15th anniversary. Yeah. I told Meredith recently, like that is a sign of age and maturity with that. I get excited about plants in our house. (laughs) Yeah. The things things we get excited (laughs) Furnishings like, uh, you know, throw pillows, you know, what's exactly that feels like a Seinfeld episode. What's the deal with (laughs) throw pillows? Before we started recording, I actually said, hey, I think we'll start talking about your music and then we'll start talking about family. But then we started and I did the exact opposite. Here but, we are. <laughs> so let's just go there. Talk about uh, who else is in your home. How many kiddos do you have? Yeah, so we have um, two biological kids, Harvey. He's nine. He's awesome. A lot of fun. And then we have a little girl, Cyrus, who's six, who is uh, just a force to be reckoned with Uh, just a little ball of something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have a foster son living with us uh, who's one years old. So what's it like having a feels almost, are you starting over in a sense with the one year old now because you're changing diapers and things like that? What's that been like for you guys? Yeah, it definitely felt, I mean, it had been like five years since we had been in like baby zone. So the waking up in the middle of the night, the, you know, all the feedings, all the diaper changes, (laughs) but it, it felt, I felt like we got back in the rhythm pretty quick, really quickly and easily. And, you know, we're now in the phase of like we're having to baby proof everything because he's running around and crawling everywhere. And yeah, it's just uh, we're figuring it out again. Yeah. He came to us when he was like five months old. So we've we've got a couple months in now with him. And so I feel like we found our rhythm. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. So you you got this beautiful baby at five months old. And so you had. Over six months then? Yeah, it'll be a year in July that he will have been with us. And how have your sons, like, how has that impacted your sons? Like, have they... Son uh, and daughter. I'm sorry. Harvey and Cyrus. Yeah, Cyrus is a little girl. Cyrus's name's weird. We know. (laughs) Okay. So Cyrus is your youngest. Daughter. Yeah. And she's the force to be reckoned with. She is the force... Of energy. Her middle middle name is Alaska. We should have known better. Oh, that's awesome craziness into one little body. (laughs) Cyrus, Alaska. That's beautiful. Yeah. That was honestly one of the biggest concerns that we had stepping into this season is how is this going to be for our kids? Yeah. Because, you know, we give a lot of attention to our kids and we're very like present with them. And especially like our daughter, she's kind of like the star of our family. You know, she gets all the... (laughs) love and has so much you know, attention because adoration. she's just a character. <laughs> and uh <Yeah. laughs> and it honestly has been such a sweet thing to see them respond to Z mm. and to see them kind of like dive into taking care of him and mm. being very active with him. Mm-hmm. And we That's hadn't beautiful. really we didn't really experience uh like pushback from them, I guess. Yeah. Or even just like misbehaving because they're they lacking attention. the attention that they want. Yeah. Um, so that's been a really sweet picture for us as a family to see that l- the last year. So the whole family's really rallied around this this yes. baby. And uh, I want to know, what was it? 
because I know you guys have a, a real passion now for foster care and, and you're sharing about it, you know, uh, every chance you get and kind of helping to raise awareness. What were some of the early seeds that were planted for both of you? Or maybe was it for you, Meredith, first, where you started to think this is something I'm feeling called to? Or was it Mac? Or were you both on the same page right from the beginning in the decision to foster? Because it's no small decision. Mm -hmm. And I'm right. sure there's a lot of families out there. Uh, my wife just began working with an organization called CASA. And she's really excited to hear this conversation that, that we're going to have today, just to hear more about the importance of foster care, the why, and the, how to overcome some of the fears that families might have. So who was it first that kind of had the light bulb go on in your head or your heart? Yeah, Matthew, I come from like a really, um, I guess you would say chaotic, dysfunctional background. Okay. Um, I came to know the Lord at 17 and dramatic life change for me. And I could, there's six kids in my family very kind of impoverished background. And so as I like, and then there was a family that took me in when I was 17 and kind mm. of taught me how to be a functional adult. Wow. <laughs> and Matt grew up, his parents are amazing. Like if they're such an amazing family, but he grew up, his parents always had people living with them. Like huh. always, always, always had somebody in their home. He grew up with somebody living in their, in their home. So I think for both of us, we always, when we met, we always had this kind of dream of we always want our home to be a place. We always have a place for somebody to stay. So that's always been in our heart. But because awesome. I think where I came from, I really always had a burden for foster care where I was like, I want to do this. Mac was a little more apprehensive. In fact, Mac never wanted children. Yeah, when we got fine. married, he was like, <laughs> we're good. Just me and you. Like, we, we don't need any of these kids things. But over time, I you know, after we had Cyrus and we're talking about, do we want to grow our family more? It was more along the lines of what do we want to do with our family? Like what, mm. you know? And so we prayed about it. And then I did some research. I was in right from the beginning. He was a little bit more apprehensive. But um, we went to the informational meetings for, um, we, we use Bethany Christian services as our yeah. like licensing agency and asked some really practical questions and learned that you actually have a lot more say and a lot more control over the children that you, I mean, I think a lot of, one of the misconceptions about foster care is that you're going to get a phone call and they're going to be like, we're on our way to your house right now. And we right. have this kid that's no this, questions this, asked. get like ready. Fire, here we come. Fire drill. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's just not the case. You can set parameters for what are healthy boundaries for you. We knew we did not want any children older than our children because we believe pretty right. strongly in birth order. And sure. we wanted Harvey to be, Harvey's our oldest. We wanted him to be the leader and know that that was his role. And um, so we didn't want to disrupt that. Yeah. So and, and I think for me, I was very apprehensive and very nervous. And I think part of that is, is maybe just my yeah, misperception of what foster care was, only seeing it on TV or movies or whatever yeah. it might be, you know, like Little Orphan Annie. Like that was like my really one, extreme, you know, intense yeah. like, situations that you have no control over, you know? Absolutely. And I do yeah. think it, it helped me understand like it's okay for us to know our boundaries as a family and know like our limits and, and what we're capable of. And it just kind of learning about it, it just kind of gave me like a sense of, I can do this, like yeah. we can do this. Mm. This is within, you know, not only like does the Lord like give you the grace and the strength to accomplish anything he's put on your heart, but in just even a practical way, yeah, like we can do this and, and we can make this a part of our family. I think one of the things too that, and I feel like this is probably the thing that we bump into the most, the biggest misconception about foster care and biggest fears is often these kids, and this is just true story. These children have been through significant trauma. That's why they're being removed from their home right. and put in yeah. other care. And yeah. so you think every child, if you sign up for foster care, you're signing up for some kind of mental illness or some kind of um, abuse, like all these different things. Yeah. When we learned, and I didn't know that this was a thing, but there are different levels of foster care homes. And there are foster care homes and families that are licensed as intensive care foster families. Yeah. And they're not going to bring a child to us, ask us. We're not an intensive care foster family. We are mm. the basic level foster family, family home that is licensed. And so they won't call us if they know a child is an intensive care child that's going to need more significant maybe medical wow. help 
or emotional help. And so knowing that those resources are there, you know, gave us the peace to say, when we get the phone call and you do, that's exactly what happens. You get a phone call. They say, we have a child. This is what we know. Oftentimes they don't, we're learning very quickly. (laughs) They only know like maybe 5% of the story. Um, They say, this is what we know. Would your home be available? And you can, in that moment, you can say, can I call you back? And I'll usually, we've gotten a few calls and I I said, let me call my husband and we'll talk it through. And then you call him back and you say, yes or no, we're capable of taking on this, you know? And so it felt oftentimes, like I said, there's the biggest misconception we run into is that people think they are just going to come to your house and drop off a kid and say, good luck. And that is just not the case. So (laughs) a lot of that panic surrounding the thought of what happens in that moment, uh, that, that was sort of pushed away by those misconceptions being cleared up and actually just in the last few minutes, you've cleared up a ton of misconceptions that I myself would have had. Mm, so I'm yeah. willing to bet somebody listening to this right now is going, oh, right. well, that makes so much sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's interesting because when you think about for all the flaws and the dysfunction in you know, government agencies or all the things that you see where you're like, man, these things don't seem to run as efficiently as they could, <laughs> to hear that there's actually systems in place like that. Yeah. You know, the difference between intensive care and, you know what I mean, and knowing your parameters as a family. I'm curious, one more question about um, your two biological children. You prepped them that this was something that the Lord was working with mom and dad, yeah. working on your hearts, and you you prepped them that this was something that may happen. How did that part of it go from the point that you told them, hey, we're thinking about this and we're praying about this And then when the call came, we kind of brought them kind of early on, you know, after we started taking some of those classes, those informational classes, we brought Harvey and Cyrus on in the decision making process of like, not coming to them saying like, hey, here's what mommy and daddy have decided. Here's what we're going to do as a family. Mm -hmm. We kind of brought them early on and said, here's what mom and dad are praying about. And we want y'all a part of that process, too. So that when the time came to to get, you know, our first placement, it felt like it was something that they uh, had prayed about. And they and owned something it that too. They had owned it as like, this is something that we have all said yes to together. Yeah. Which I think was like helpful in their transition. So the licensing process, um, you have to go through like, I think it was nine weeks of classes. And then you start your home study where you do, I mean, I had, the whole fire department had to come to our house and do a full inspection on the See, house. I love that too. I love how thorough yeah, oh, that yeah. is. They're very thorough. Also, some of the stories you hear is it's like for every Mac and Meredith Brock opening their home, you know, sometimes it's like you hear these nightmare stories of, yeah. you know, ill-equipped families welcoming yeah too many children or that shouldn't be having children there's in a and that's more, a fear too. It's state by state. Every, yeah. There's different there's laws. There's definitely around, dysfunction. And there is for sure. But I would say that belief idea is probably from many years ago. They've There's become a lot more laws around becoming a foster family. Now, I'm not saying that's people awesome. don't slip through the cracks, but when all of that was going down, when we were entering into the licensing process and we got our license we started every night when we pray before we go to bed, we would pray for that first child that would come into yeah. our home. And I think our kids, that helped our kids grow compassion mm-hmm. and open up their heart and say, this is part of who we are as a family. We went through, was it seven it, phone calls? Yeah, it was like seven calls that we got. Of that we said yes to. That we said yes to. And then for oh, whatever wow. reason, they either got a different placement or needed to stay with siblings, whatever it might be. They're, We've learned a lot in the process that that's part of the case too, is that they'll call you, tell and you say, kind of the situation, but they're also calling other families as well. And they're looking okay. at biological family. Maybe grandma is Because that's always the first yeah. go-to, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they, so, they let you know. <laughs> what's just dawning on me is that this entire process for you has taken place during the pandemic. Right. We wow. got licensed the month, April of 2020. And then and so, it wasn't until July that we got a placement. And Mac, wouldn't you normally be traveling and leading worship? I mean, how much do you travel in a given year? Yeah, I mean, it's a good bit. And that you know, that was another thing for us. We were very aware of both me and Meredith have like chaotic, non-normal schedules. <laughs> Neither of us have like a normal nine to five job. We both 
travel a lot. We both are, you know, kind of busy doing random things that we were kind of like, how is this going to work? You know, <laughs> how are we going to navigate yeah. this? I have yeah. help with our, with our biological children. His mom helps. We have other That's nannies good. and stuff. So good. we were worried that can yeah. we do that with a foster child? Right. Like, right. will they allow that? You know? Right, because it's going to be an added responsibility. You're going to need the whole village helping. Yeah. Right. Yes, yeah. very much so. And But that goes back to my point of like the Lord, you know, he expands your bandwidth the more that you say yes and the more that you are open to to being obedient. He mm-hmm. gives you the resources that you need. He gives you That's the important. grace and the peace that you need. And I'm not trying to make that just like a blanket statement. We've seen that as like truth in our life, you know, and that that's been true for us. We were nervous, you know, about my travel. I mean, I still travel a good bit. I don't know. We've learned how to be strategic with our calendar, I guess, or yeah. or over communicate with each other about right. what we've both got going on with our calendar. I, I mean, it's kind of nerdy how many calendar meetings me and Meredith have <laughs> on a weekly basis just to I, like make sure we're on the same page. That's awesome. It's just to make sure like, Hey, you're taking kids to piano lessons this week. Hey, I need you to make sure you pick up Z to take to his visitation. Whatever it might be, it's all these like little things. But I think that the fact that we we've become, I would say, experts at communicating our calendar to yeah. one another. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's doable, yeah. and we make it work. You don't make it to 15 years of marriage without figuring out some sort of a system. <laughs> Of communication. It took us I mean, a long right? time. I feel like it took us like seven years before to we figured out before we figured out that, figured that, out that little. Out. Yeah. Why did you it take us both. so long? <laughs> well, and if Mac, if you and I have anything in common as musicians, then then I know what a struggle it would be for Meredith to get you like to remember to be <laughs> right. at a school at a certain at a certain time and stop oh, writing gosh. that second verse of that song. <laughs> yeah, it's rough for her. Yeah, but he does a good job. He doesn't get frustrated with me at the little reminder Multiple text messages. Reminders. <laughs> like, hey, you do know that you're taking the kids to piano today. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> right? my wife, like her reminders are on repeat. Yeah. For me. Like it's, right. yes. there's no, she does, she leaves nothing to chance. And do you do if like that I one, do where you're constantly <laughs> setting reminders to Siri on your oh, phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh that gosh. they it's make fun joke. of me all it's the time because I'm always house. like, hey, Siri, remind me, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Just last night, Emily was like, she said, turn the grill on. And I just wasn't paying attention. And so I went out to cook dinner and I'm like, I come back in. I'm like, why didn't you turn the grill on? And she's like, I told you to do that five times. This sounds so, really yeah, I need familiar. To... This is definitely a scenario that would happen in our house. I need to set more reminders like Mac. I think what you said is very important, though, about, and I think it's a principle that applies far beyond the topic of foster care, but just in every aspect of our lives, when we're willing to step out in faith and obedience to the Lord, I love that thought of God increasing our bandwidth. And I think there's so much truth to that. And imagine what we might be missing out on today because we've been too fearful to take that step. We've been afraid that the road would not rise up to meet us, right? Maybe even stepped out of the boat, but felt the water on our toes and jumped back into the boat because it just felt too dangerous. And then what do we miss out on? We miss out on the opportunity to see God move and to increase our bandwidth and give us more opportunities. And then ultimately what we're missing out on is the most fulfilling life. And that's what you guys are describing. One thing that I don't want to skip past too fast as well is, Meredith, the fact that you shared about your own childhood and how that has itself fueled a passion that you have now to care for some children who might be in dire situations that you can relate to on a different level. There's so much power in that for somebody who's listening right now, too, who maybe has some... We talk a lot about the chapters in our story on this podcast, and and I've been collecting people's stories for 10 years now, and a lot of the songs I write are in response to the stories that people share with me. And guess what? Very few people sh- choose to share from the chapters of their story that are the victory chapters. Most of them will choose, when I say, hey, what's your story? They reach for the broken one because they're desperate to know that maybe that broken chapter could be redeemed. And they don't know what to do with the dysfunction in their life or the broken chapters in their stories. And so I love hearing you share about how this broken chapter of your childhood, how you're seeing God not only heal you through what you've been through and give you the family now, you're creating a family unlike the one you had before, 
which is awesome. There's a powerful lesson in that. And my wife has a similar story. And we talked about it on a special Mother's Day episode. My wife comes from, uh, you know, without knowing the details, it sounds like she and you would have much to talk about. When I look at her and I see the mother that she is and the wife she is and the friend that she is, given what she's come from, like I am constantly moved and amazed, inspired and proud of her because she's been the one to break the chains of dysfunction and bring new life to our family tree. And it sounds like that's exactly what you've chosen to do. And I think that's a beautiful story of redemption. We know the scripture, James 127, I was just reading it while we were talking together, but you know, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Talk about it from a spiritual standpoint, just, you know, what the Lord has shown you, how, I mean, it's literally in scripture that we're called to care for the widows and the orphans. Now you're stepping into that as a family, what's the Lord showing you about the importance and why that scripture is not in the Bible just by accident? If you look at scripture as a whole and you look at where, how God and Jesus brings life change and world change and kingdom change, it's in the little things. It's not on big, you know, amazing things happen from big stages and amazing things happen. But what did Jesus do? You know, Mm. he went and he washed his disciples' feet He showed up with the woman, one woman at the well, just one. It was just one lady. (laughs) And that was the person, the first person he ever chose to reveal himself to as the Christ, as the Messiah, was one woman who was a Gentile, who was not of the Jewish origin, that he was the Christ. He chose her. It could have been anyone. And I think when I think about the spiritual components of like what it's doing for us as a family, what it's doing for me of foster care, what foster care is doing for me is helping me realize, you know, I look back on my 20s when I was 20 years old and I was ambitious. I had just become a believer at 17 and I was like, I'm going to change the world, you know, and was just going after it hard, you know. And in my mind, it was big stages and big impact on big crowds of people. And all that stuff is beautiful, like, and wonderful. And obviously we want to do that. We've poured our life into that through Max Music. But I am realizing in my day-to-day with this little baby that it's doing something in me. I'm realizing it's almost putting to rest some of that striving that used to be there, that wrestling in my heart for something big. When I look at him, I'm like, this is big. You're big. You're big and you're worth worth waking up to in the middle of the night because you're teething again. And I'm happy to hold you a little bit longer, big guy. It's putting to rest some of that striving for big and amazing and turning it on its head upside down. The kingdom of God is upside down, right? right. Big big is little and little is big. And yeah. that's what foster care is doing, I think, for both of us as we just settle into this is meaningful. Yeah, this is great, good. This so is kingdom good. work. I think about, um, you know, Psalm 4610 is always a hard verse for me to live by, you know, and to be still. But then another translation says, cease striving. And there's something about that translation that like just hits me with a wave of conviction, you know, because, and I love that big is little and little is big. You talked about that moment of holding this baby and going, okay, you're big. Like that is a moment where I ask every guest, okay, what's your blue couch story? And now the blue couch story is 13 year old me preacher's kid who thought he'd get to heaven because he was in the family business, but his parents always told him, no, Jesus wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He wants to be your best friend. And I'm sitting on a blue couch and I, I'm watching a Billy Graham crusade and it becomes real to me. And it was just one of many blue couch moments throughout my life, because that's what I've discovered is that God desires to have not just one definitive blue couch moment where he reveals himself to you and you say yes, but many more along the way. And as we engage and enter into those blue couch moments, what happens, what Max said happens is true, is that our bandwidth increases. I feel like, Meredith, you've already shared a couple of blue couch moments, right? Coming from your childhood. And then you said at the age of 17, you said yes to Jesus. Is that when you got saved? Yeah, I did it very. And again, maybe I'm like really secretive or something. <laughs> I did it and in, in, I didn't tell anybody. 
that when I was 17, because I was a very skeptical person and I didn't want to be manipulated by emotions or anything. And so I had been going to young life and I, one night I was kind of like, okay, God, if you're real, I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll read your Bible, Mm. but I'm not telling anyone because I don't want it to be (laughs) literally, I was like, I don't want it to be them manipulating me. You better show up. And that's how I know you'll be your God. And no kidding. It was just me alone in my room. And I was like, I'll read your Bible and I will pray to you. And if you make a change in my life, then I'll believe you're real. And slowly over a matter of months, I, my heart totally came to life from a place of being very dead. Uh, And then here you are all these years later, having more, what I would call blue couch moments. You're holding that little baby and you're stepping out in faith. And Mac, what about you? I mean, people know you, obviously. I love that we're talking about the importance of the little things while I'm actually having a conversation with somebody who stands in front of thousands of people and yet you're aware of how important the little things are while you're also getting to have the chance to to lead worship for thousands of people on any given weekend or at concerts. When I listen to your recordings, one of the things I love about worship albums is there's like an army of people singing the songs with you, right? Yeah, yeah. And so when I, uh, when I listen to, I love the song, I Am Loved, by the way. And, uh, but just when I listen to a recording and I hear thousands of people singing, there is no disappointment in your, it's like, you can't help but get a little lump in the throat. But I'm curious for you, a Carolina boy who's scared of the cold, never hunted a bear. <laughs> but what was that moment for you long before you were with a guitar in front of thousands of people leading them in worship? What was the moment where, okay, I want Jesus in my life? My family's in ministry. My dad's a pastor. So I okay, grew up you in, and me. I grew up in the church as well. And, um, and they were really great at communicating Jesus to me and, and showing Jesus to me. But I, I think that for me, it was always still just like a story, even just like misconception, misperceptions of who God was up in the sky mm-hmm. or being always frustrated with me because I couldn't get my act together, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I was at a camp in Daytona Beach when I was like in 10th grade and Louis Giglio was preaching. It was the first time his message was the first time that Jesus felt human to me. Mm. He, and he spoke about him in such a way that was very... No, like he's not this guy from these stories that you read about. He's like a living person that's like with us right now. It came to life for me for whatever reason. And it felt like very real to me that the person that I wanted to like give my life to was a person. It wasn't this idea or this uh, kind of force, you know, that I couldn't yeah, see. or yeah. You know, it was it felt it more was like tangible. Act- yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a tangible thing. That was probably like a really big turning point for me. I love that. My Billy Graham was your Louis Giglio. Yeah, you must have gone, you went to one of those high dollar church camps yeah, of Louis Giglio. Big stuff. Big stuff. <laughs> I had like my church camps, it was like the youth pastor that got fired from the church. Who thought, <laughs> but I love those stories and I love hearing those stories because let it be a reminder to anybody listening right now that God is in the business of pursuing us, right? That's the whole story of the gospel. Not that he's running away from us, he's running towards us. So when I love hearing stories of people who finally realize that and had that moment where the eyes open and they're like, oh, wait a minute, he's coming straight for me and it becomes real and not just a story. It's such a shift in mentality. I just realized that's why you're talking. Our, so Max kind of moment with Louie at Big Stuff, but our, our nine-year-old, no joke, probably about a month ago, we had a long oh, conversation. Yeah. He was very worried about, mom does, um, will I still go to heaven if I don't read the Bible? <laughs> oh, <laughs> and wow. so we were, we were having this long conversation and he, and he said to me, he said, it's just so big. It's just so, it's such, and I was like, yeah, buddy, it is a big book. Oh, I love that. But so we started a conversation and we got a devotional from, that Louis Giglio wrote. The indescribable. Yeah. Our son is like really into science and facts and stuff like this. What a like full circle moment that I just realized. And it's made a huge, huge impact for him. Like he'll, he'll be like, mom, read this with me at nighttime and we'll talk about it. And so we should let Louis know that. That's (laughs) a, that's a pretty sweet full circle moment. Louis. Yeah, shout out to Louis. But I love the profundity of your nine-year-old's words Mm. because I think without verbalizing that there's a whole lot of adults who think about Christianity in that way it's just so big yeah Yeah. like I can't do it and and guess what like I still think the same thing on any given day is God mad at me because I didn't read my Bible you know what I mean that 
you know, and Mac, you and I are preacher's kids, and there's something about growing up in the church, no matter how much you heard your parents talk about the word grace, somehow the enemy can get in the mind of a preacher's kid, or any other kid for that matter, and, and replace that word grace with guilt. You guys might know a song of mine called Truth Be Told. Well, I'm going to let the truth be told right now. It's no secret 2020 has been a hard year for everyone. For many of us, maybe the hardest year we've ever had to face. There's been more than one moment where I felt like my spiritual health, my mental health, my emotional health were being threatened and even weakened, you know? The proud person that I am has a hard time admitting when I need help, when I need to talk things out with somebody. But here's a newsflash. There are not enough self-help books in the stores to give me the strength and the wisdom that I need or that you need to rise up and face every obstacle that comes our way in a year like 2020. We can't do it alone. We need help. I want to tell you about my friends at BetterHelp. H-E-L-P. BetterHelp wants to assess your needs and then match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Then you get to connect in a safe and private online environment. It's super convenient and you can start communicating with your counselor in under 24 hours. Now remember, this is important and this is why I support BetterHelp. It's not self-help, it's professional counseling. They have licensed professional counselors specialized in areas like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, anger, family conflicts, and the list goes on. They've got a counselor for you. And I hope that every episode of this podcast fills you with hope and fills you with encouragement to know that the best of your story is ahead of you. But sometimes you need to speak to somebody. And if this service can help you, I want to make that possible. I want you to start living a happier and more fulfilling life today. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com MWP. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash MWP. We all know we need one, but most of us put off creating a trust or will because it sounds too complex and expensive. Well, now it doesn't have to be, thanks to the online estate planning experts at Trust and Will. At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is simple, convenient, and secure. For as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children, determine who gets your stuff, and plan for future medical care all from the comfort of your home. Hiring a traditional estate attorney can cost thousands, and using a one-size-fits-all template is not nearly specialized enough. Trust and will documents are designed by estate planning experts and customized for the state you live in. And with live customer support seven days a week, trustandwill.com's team is available to answer any questions you have while setting up your plan. Hey, I love it when this podcast gets to partner with organizations and businesses who are providing a service that I think can really help a lot of people. And Trust and Will is doing just that. I'm choosing Trust and Will, and I hope you will too. Trust and Will is the most trusted name in online estate planning, the category leader on Trustpilot, and they've helped hundreds of thousands of people protect their families, their assets, and their legacy. Gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash west and get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents don't wait go right now this is really important get 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash west trustandwill.com slash west And I love when I get to interview a couple like yourself where we can talk about foster care and we could talk about music. I'm really curious to hear how some of this music has been inspired by the journey that you're on. So I'm at my studio right now, and hopefully uh, one day you can come over here to the story house. We'll write a song together. Then we'll come back on the show and we'll talk about what that. inspired that song. Yes. But you have so many great songs, even that you've released recently, two projects that were pandemic projects, right? <laughs> what else am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Foster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, cafe Sessions and Space, right? Yes. In that order. I think Cafe Sessions is the most recent. Yeah. It was kind of, it's kind of like a, almost an acoustic version of a lot of the songs on Space. You recorded it in Nashville. Yes. But was it at, at an actual cafe 
And if so, which one? Uh, it was at uh, Matt Mars uh, Cafe. In the back Matt of Mars Matt Cafe? Mars' house. Yeah. <laughs> in his studio. Oh, that's awesome. So where did you land on the name Cafe? Just It just felt right? It was a collaboration with Worship Together. Um, okay. And it's something that they do. They've done with several artists where they, you know, kind of the same idea where they take a lot of songs and they just strip them down and pretend like we're in a cafe. Okay. <laughs> Something that maybe he might play in a cafe one right. day if he were. Oh, okay, in a cafe. that makes sense. That <laughs> yeah. makes sense. And I'm sure Matt made you a cup of coffee or something like that. Oh he's, yeah, for sure. Is Keurig he a good host? Or something like that at least. <laughs> the Keurig. Oh man, the Keurig has to go away. I can't handle the Keurig anymore. Yeah. So the song "Come Now." Yeah. Off the Cafe Sessions project. Wait, it, that's on Space too, though, right? Yeah, it's on Space and it's gotcha. On both. Okay. So I think we're living in a really interesting time, though, where it's so funny because my label will do this to me. It's like you turn in a song and they're like, all right, now give us six other versions. We want the let's yes. like, give us the pig Latin version, the, the pop. Yes. Version. I'm like, man, I'm like, that I'm is like no, I gave truth. you the version that I like. <laughs> right. Yes. I can relate to that so much. Was it creatively freeing to express the song in a different way? Do you enjoy that? On space, I feel like space was like the best interpretation of that of all of those songs, the way that like I envisioned them the most. Oh yeah. But I do think that there's something special, especially you know with worship music. It's nice to break everything down and to just have an acoustic, and and even you know to go back to just 2020 and how many times I was just leading worship, like we weren't traveling as much, mm -hmm. so we were just in our living room with an acoustic guitar. That's all we had. That I think, you know, that it's also nice to just kind of strip a song back to that basic format. I don't know. There's something special in it. The line in the song, Come Now, uh, you, I mean, the whole song's about, it says there's a holy expectation for what you're about to do. To listen to a line like that and think about it in the context of, of a year where it was almost impossible to expect anything, let alone right. anything good yeah, to happen. Yeah, yeah. Were those words written pre-pandemic? Uh, were they written pre-foster care? Were, are, is there some connection there? That song was written, I don't know, I guess it was probably like right in the middle of it. Kind of the idea of that song is like, God is moving. God is up to something. He's always doing something. And it's up to us to kind of change our perception or change our attention. Mm -hmm. You know, we can choose to be a part of what God's doing. He's going to do it regardless. Yep. So we have to change our perception and be like, I don't want to miss this. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that you're up to, I don't want to miss it. So I need to change my attention. I want to change my perception. I want to change what I'm looking at. And because I do want, like, we want our lives to be about what God is doing doing mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. everything that we do by ourselves is going to be pointless and meaningless um and so if we can just align ourselves to what he's already up to you know that's where our lives are changed this seems like uh art imitating life i mean because what you just described is exactly what you've just embarked upon with this journey of foster care yeah i think foster care i think even in like a year like 2020 where the perception on like surface level feels like everything stopped everything's paused. We're all stuck at home. You know, like it, it felt very jarring and like not moving forward. Mm -hmm. Oh but yeah. God's still, you know, but God is still moving forward. God, yeah. like yeah. God doesn't slow down and he doesn't stop. And right. so it's just changing how yeah. we see it, you know, and, and changing what our, what we're seeing and how we're going to like act mm -hmm. with the things that we see. I felt like it was so important too, for the music makers to illustrate that principle, right? Like, so the fact that you didn't stop moving, that you kept writing songs, that you kept going, that you kept putting out these projects and you're not alone. I think a lot of us just felt, of course, they talk about how, you know, songwriters love rainy days anyways. And so when you got <laughs> right. a whole year with a cloud over your head, some songs are going to come. <laughs> yes. Did you, true. did you find yourself writing a lot of songs during the year? I mean, you probably, maybe for me personally, I had more energy because I was off the road. When I'm on the road, my energy's depleted. I'm starting songs, but I'm not finishing them. Did you find this year to be a, a real year of harvest in terms of your songwriting? Yeah, it felt very active. It was songwriting a ton and, and really was like inspired. 
you know, whether it was from my family, the things that the Lord was doing through our family or, you know, other relationships, like just felt very inspired with what God was up to. And so felt very, yeah, did have a lot of energy to expel into songs and the music. One thing I wanted to say, too, that really has no point to what we're talking about other than your artwork is super cool. I don't know if, how involved you guys are in that, but whoever does that, like, uh, I think, was it the, I mean, I loved, Cafe Sessions looked great, Space looked awesome. Yeah. Like, every album cover, I'm like, dang, that looks like, yeah, I worked with that. awesome. I, I was so happy. I love that you said that, because I was so happy with the artwork for Space. Is that the one with the vinyl cover? Like, it looks like it's a vinyl. That's a in different the... one, but it was designed by the same guy. Yeah. There's a guy in, in Charlotte named Justin Maurer, who's awesome. And we've worked on a lot of stuff together. Well, that was I Am Loved. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The I Am Loved. It, it's on the album uh, called Covered, which Covered. is like an EP. It's on Covered. And then Greater Things looks awesome with the border. Oh, yeah. And Space looks awesome, too. <laughs> so very, cool, man. He's very particular about his cover art. Yes. See, very I like that you like it. That makes me so happy. <laughs> no, dude, I'm totally going to rip all of these ideas off. I'm like, They're I yours, just want to take them. <laughs> I'm going to go to my label. I'm like, make me cool like Mac Brock. <laughs> Would you say you're a songwriter first? I would say I'm a worship leader first, if I had to do like an order. <laughs> I love writing songs and I, and I love that expression. In my mid-20s, I would early on, I would have always said like songwriter, producer, that's what I'm passionate about. And I had like a, a an encounter during a worship experience with the Lord, like late 20s, mm-hmm. that I felt like really shifted what I felt like the Lord like put on me. Yeah, I would say like, Probably worship leader is is my calling I love more that. than anything else. I love that. And you have the kind of voice that, have you ever heard, like, um, I'm not comparing you to Johnny Cash by any stretch, I'll but Johnny it. Cash, yeah. remember remember he did these, um, he did these records towards the end of his life where he covered, like, an old Tom Petty song, mm-hmm. yeah, and he covered, uh, you know, the Nine Inch Nails song, but every song he recorded, it sounded like it was born to be his song. Mm. Yes. And when I hear your voice, I feel like you could be singing whatever worship song you took in and did an arrangement of. It would feel like it it came from your pen and paper. And I mean that like as a compliment because your voice has such a uniqueness and it just takes ownership of whatever words you're singing. I'm going to ask you this question and maybe Meredith will have the same answer or a different answer. First of all, Mac, do you try out your songs on Meredith? Is she like... Uh, involved in the process. No, she gets mad at me because uh, I don't. I wish she would more. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't so know wait, why. You don't hear it till it comes out? I like don't want to show her stuff until it's like really good. I have other people, uh, <laughs> other friends and stuff that I'll send songs to in the process. But for her, for some reason, I always still want it to be nice and and like its best version. Packaged up, I guess. Oh, that's that's it. That, I mean, I guess I can respect that. But, <laughs> but Meredith, you're saying you want to like, You'd like to speak in a little bit more. Well, I love to hear them. I love to hear yeah. them. But I yeah. also get it. Like, I do my own creative work, and I get really nervous for some reason. Tell me what your it. creative work is. I work in work with authors and writers. And so I, you know, have done my own writing and stuff. And I'm afraid to share it with him until I feel like, no, this is my very best. Yeah. You okay, know? that's and so good. I, I get that. So I respect the creative process <laughs> and the creative who needs their space. <laughs> I like that. Everybody's got their own system. I'll, my wife will tell me what she really thinks. And that's uh, like, not that you wouldn't, but uh, when I bring her songs. <laughs> Believe me, I'll tell him what I really yeah, yeah, think. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't know about that one. Yeah. But, and then you're like, um, never this, again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tell me, uh, I'm just curious, like if there's a song you've been singing. Before we leave, I want to talk about the song, Even the Impossible. I'm wondering if that may be the answer to this question too, but is there a song that you've been singing that you just feel like, man, this has just been a song that's resonating with people because yeah. of the times we're in? This last year, this was the last song that I wrote for for the album Space, but it's the song that I've sang the most. It's, it's a song called Song of Heaven. And mm. that's been the most special song to me as of late. It's such a basic exaltation worship song to God. Mm. And it was written with that in mind of like, let's just, I'm always writing songs about like what I need God to do (laughs) and Mm. what I need, like, God, this is where I'm at. I need you to take me out of this. Or God, like, here's here's what I'm facing. I need your help. I write so many songs like that, that I think are, are very important to build our faith and to give us, you know, words to speak. 
but with this song, we specifically wrote it with the heart of like, I don't want to ask God for anything. I don't want to tell him my problems. I don't want, you know, I don't want to do anything other that's than good. do what the angels are already doing right now. Yeah. And that's just worshiping his name. That's a song that has just been really special to me and important to me. And every time I've, I've been leading it at churches and stuff, it's just, it's one of those songs that still gives me chill bumps. You know, mm. you hit like the bridge or something and I still get all the feels while I'm leading it. That one's been a big one for me. So everybody needs to go listen to that one today for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. Song of Heaven. That's great. Song of Heaven. And then the song, uh, Even the Impossible. Yeah. It kind of brings me back to maybe where we started a little bit. Just um, people who might feel like, you know, taking a step towards foster care. Yeah. You know, maybe at one point you guys thought, that looks impossible. Yeah. yeah. Talk a little bit just about the song, Even the Impossible, because it's powerful. Yeah, I love that song because I, I feel like that song is like, an anticipation song. Mm. It's like, you know, the very first line is, I think the stone's getting ready to roll. Mm. And, and I love just the idea of, of being in that like anticipation space with God. Yeah. Of yeah. like an eagerness mm-hmm. and knowing that he's going to do something, knowing that he's, he's on the move and, and we're about to witness it. Mm. I think it's just like such a, I don't know, it's such a exciting place to be. And I also think that it's important for us to speak that out loud, to mm-hmm. speak out loud like faith. That's one of the things I love about worship music is that it 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 just verbally, you know, we're we're like verbalizing yeah. the things of our heart, you like know, reinforcing and yeah, reminding reinforcing ourselves. it. And and sometimes you need to like speak it out loud for it to become like true in your heart and to like yeah. really believe it. And so. Yeah, that's kind of the heart of that song. And it's it's a song that declares that, you know, God is a God that still does miracles. Mm-hmm. You know, his name is like just speaking the name of Jesus is still really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And so let's like embrace that for all it's worth. I love that. I love that. And everybody needs to go listen to all of those songs. Just just click play. Yeah. On, <laughs> and you know what I mean? And just listen down. That's what I've been doing this morning, just getting ready for this interview and uh and in the days leading up to this even just listening to your music more and more and i just gotta just want to encourage you man just i'm excited to hear the new songs that you've written throughout the year you got probably you're working on a new you probably have seven projects in the works and all the artwork <laughs> we're getting always finished. working on something always something yeah <laughs> i can't wait to hear the new music as well and to bring this full circle before we close out back to the topic of foster care meredith and mac i want to thank you guys for sharing about your own journey with that. And uh, a big theme on my platform lately has just been about letting the truth be told. And we talk about um, you. Know, what does it look like? You know, one of the biggest struggles in my life is I'm a performer, you know, we're on stage in front of people. I'm a preacher's kid and you get real good at looking the part and maybe you start to let the living the part slip and you feel like you're maybe living something less than an authentic life. And I love conversations like this because I get to see and sit with people who I feel are walking out a truth be told authentic life and it's not perfect and it's got broken chapters. And I just want to thank you for sharing from that place, but specifically regarding foster care, what would you say to somebody who's, you know, maybe afraid to take that step, but has felt like the Lord leading them in that direction of going, Lord, what does it mean to care for the widows and the orphans? Maybe this is something I should do. Is there maybe some last encouragement or even a tangible step you might encourage someone to take? I think my biggest thing, because like I said at the beginning, I was very hesitant. I think the biggest thing that I try to encourage people is like, what's like the little yes that you have to say? And what I mean by that is like, for me, my little yes was like, all right, I'll take the class to learn more information about it. Mm. That's a really simple yes. That's not a big commitment to do that, but it's just like one step forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that for a lot of us, there are big things that God is asking us to do. And in order to get to that big thing, sometimes we just have to take that very first step or that, or say that one, yes, be that, that small obedient thing Mm -hmm. will lead to like the bigger obedience. Yeah, um, and so and and that's usually pretty easy. It's easy to you know to say those little things, and so I encourage people with that. I love that, Meredith. What Max said is really really good. Just take that first little step, but uh, mine's going to be a little bit more intense, <laughs> which is no <laughs> well, surprise. If you're into the Enneagram, I'm an question. Enneagram Eight, and so I'm naturally very intense. Man, um, you and my wife needed like 
go have a cafe session. Together. Okay, <laughs> come on, let's do it. I'm She's in. She's an A too. Uh, but there is, and this is going to sound very intense, but we have this in the front, our entryway. We have a sign, we have a banner that says comfort is a slow death. And mm. that I think it's really easy to get comfortable and not realize that on the other side of your comfort is living. And so right now you may be in a comfortable place and the Lord is saying, come on, come, come on. on, take one step out of your comfort because on the other side of that comfort is living. And I feel like in the, you know, circling all the way back to the beginning, in the 15 years that we've been married, saying yes to fatherhood, we've said yes to a lot of really crazy things that we were like, okay, God, and saying yes to foster care felt like another one of those really crazy things. And I would say our marriage right now is in the best place it's ever been. We're enjoying our children and our family and this season of life so much, like so much more thoroughly. But if we had stayed on the other side of our comfort, just stayed there. And I love being comfortable. He does. I just made a joke on the drive today. I said, (laughs) if there's anything I've learned about Mac Brock, if I can get him a gift that just makes him more comfortable, I win. (laughs) But on the other side of comfort. Like if you can step out of that, if you're considering foster care, and there's so many different ways you can support the foster care system. It's not just being foster parents. They need respite care. They need people. There's a place in Charlotte called the Foster Village where when we got our baby, they showed up at our front door with diapers, Diapers, wipes, pajamas. And they, there's so many ways to, to serve, care. Yeah. And the Lord only wants to bless you in your sacrifice for others. Yeah. So. Comfort is a slow death. Come mm. on. Hey, yeah. that's uh, that'll preach. I, I don't think... Now, Mac, don't go writing a song called Slow Death anytime soon. <laughs> I wouldn't put that in a song. But no, I'll save that one for when I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That one together. <laughs> the latest hit from Mac and Matthew, Slow yeah. Death. <laughs> Cafe Sessions yeah. Volume 2. <laughs> Uh, what, Hey, listen, I mean, you guys have just, what you shared is some awesome truth about really, I mean, and, and yes, that's an intense thought, but it's one we need to hear and what's waiting for us on the other side of comfort. And then when we step past that, I mean, what I'm walking away from this conversation thinking about today is the reversal of the little things being the big things. And what happens when we stop, when we reach the other end of the comfort, the definition of striving changes too. Like it's just, there's a lot of big thoughts here. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this interview myself, but uh, I just can't thank you enough for taking the time to share your story, to share your foster story. And for me to get to nerd out and ask Mac some music questions too. This has been so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, Thank thank you you for having us. us. Hey, now it's time for songs from the story house in honor of Mac Brock being today's guest. I really wanted to, not showcase one of my songs, but to share one of his. And until we get the chance to be in the story house together and write our own song together, I want you to get excited and to worship along with Mac. So take a listen to this song, Even the Impossible. I see a battle that's already won. And I see the church on the But he's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why our final portion of today's episode is called Dad Vice. He is my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Hey, Dad, thanks for joining me. We're still kicking on this brand new theme, and it's been speaking to my heart. I think kind of the decision that you make when you're a music maker or for you as a pastor, whatever the Lord's doing in your heart is really what winds up coming out in terms of whether it's the message that you create or the songs that I write. And so this theme of brand new and being made brand new as a new creation in Christ and discovering the newness that God offers to us in our lives, no matter how long we've been a Christian, is I think such an important thing to take hold of. And so we're still hammering home this message of brand new. What do you want to share today? Uh, We're going to talk about the word uh, trust 
And uh, this is something that we all need to work on as far as trusting one another, but more so in trusting God. And just from a child on up, that trust factor in our lives really makes a difference. It's like the father who asks his child to jump, and that child doesn't hesitate because they trust the father. As we get older, that trust level isn't as great, and we kind of hesitate, and that's sometimes the way we feel toward God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is our verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. I don't know about everyone listening, but I know at times during this past year, the pandemic, that my trust has been shaken, my trust in the world, my trust in a lot of things, but hopefully my trust in God has grown. Here's what Shannon wrote. I've done all I can do. I trusted that my husband would stay and help me get through this year only to have him walk out and leave me on my own. Who can you trust. So here's where these verses come in. Four quick things. One just tells us to trust in the Lord, nobody else. We can't trust in our maid. We can't because they're human. We can't trust in the people around us. We can't trust in our job, our bank account. We are to completely depend on God's wisdom, power, promises, and goodness. Secondly, don't lean on your own understanding. This is another reminder. Oftentimes, we know what God's Word says. We're to trust Him even in uncertain times, but we start thinking it through and thinking that we have a better way, and we need to stop trying to figure our trials out on our own. We have to not lean on our own understanding. Thirdly, acknowledge him in all your ways. One person put it this way, to manage all of your affairs in such a manner as to please and glorify him. It means that we need to seek his guidance along the way. And What's the fourth one? It's payday. It's time to collect on the promises. You do those first three, what will be the promise that you collect on and and receive? He will direct your path. Knowing that you're on God's path gives you a peace. And how do you get there? We need to trust in him. Corey Ten Boom wrote, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I like what Jeremiah 17, 17, and 18 says. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes and its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord. Stand on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Put your trust in God alone. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. Acknowledge that you need God's wisdom and power and allow him collect on the promise. Have the trust and peace that he's directing your path. We're going to let people down. They're going to let us down. And scripture is trying to remind us that there is really only one foundation that we can put all of our weight on. And in that instruction, God is asking of us to trust in him, not with a portion of our heart, but with all of our heart. And so therein lies the key, okay? So check your heart today, as my friend John Christ always says, but to check your heart and to say, okay, am I trusting in the Lord with a portion of my heart or all of my heart? If you've been hurt by somebody in this life, do not let that affect your view of God, even if it was like your father who hurt you, right? There's so many people who have issues with their relationship with their father and it affects their view of their heavenly father. And what the Lord is saying, trust in the Lord. Don't trust in any other source. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. There is so much richness in that scripture. Thanks for that reminder today, dad. Thank you. Hey, that's our show for today. I want to thank my guests, Mac and Meredith Brock, for sharing their story, for sharing their passion about foster care. And man, they had some awesome wisdom to share. I loved that part about comfort being a slow death. That's a heavy statement, but it's heavy for a reason. And let's think about that as we head into the rest of our week. As you head into the rest of your day today, just ask the Lord to show you areas where you've gotten too comfortable. And then would you dare to pray that prayer? Lord, help me break free from that comfort because I want to live life to the fullest. We're going to post a link to Max Music at the official podcast page, which is matthewest.com slash 
podcast. Also want to thank my dad, as always, for joining me. Reminder, our ministry is called Pop We, and we are a community that has a heartbeat of helping you learn how to tell a more fulfilling story with your life, breaking past the comfort, breaking past the broken chapters of your story, and watching God do an amazing work in your life. And we do that in a number of ways. We send out a weekly devotion to thousands of people free of charge as a way of encouraging you. I want to encourage you to sign up for that. Go to Pop We. You can actually share your story or a prayer request at popwe.org, P-O-P-W-E.org. I love you guys. Have a great day. And remember, God has a plan for your story. It's your story for his glory. I'll see you next week. Seriously, I, I, I do. <laughs>